Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have an internationally known rock star by the name of Sloan Reed. Sloan is, um, she's an amazing woman. I want to say thank you to Joe Ingram for referring her over to me to be on the show. She is amazing. So do me a favor and stop everything you're doing. Pay attention. Share this out to all your friends and stay with us. We will be right back and hear the exciting story of Sloan Reed. And we are back. Let me bring Sloan on. Sloan, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I am wonderful. It's so great to have you on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. When Joe connected us, I was like, okay, this is my type of people. I like it. I love that. Joe is a great guy, and he said he was going to be in the audience watching mm -hmm. today, so we'll see. He'll <laughs> harass us in some way. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll put my phone over there because I, I can't deal with that. No, I'm <laughs> I know. Mine's on do not disturb. I know right. I get text messages, <laughs> random photos. Um, so, so Sloan, I started this about five years ago, a little, little over five years ago. Um, and it was really, I was kind of stuck in life at the moment. And I thought, you know, if I just listen to enough people, tell their story about how they got unstuck. Maybe it'll help me. And, and it did. Um, and it's helped a lot of other people. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your story. And let's start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised. Oh, goodness. The West Texas town of El Paso, Texas. Um, I was there for the first 17 years of my life and then made my way super far away, still in Texas. <laughs> That's how it works. You can travel for days and still be in Texas. Yes. Uh, and went yes. to school at Texas A&M and then shortly after made my way to Tennessee. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tennessee from Texas. Why? Big stretch, you know, it's completely different. I just wanted to come night and day. No, it's pretty much, it's not that big of a stretch. Uh, ironically, um, it was either, I think I was in Texas and I didn't want to be the typical Texan that lives in Texas their whole life, which is very easy to do. You know well, that state is incredible. It's um, unbelievable. Yeah, I wanted to spread my wings at least a little bit. And so I think in that time when you're 22 years old, it's like L.A. or Nashville. And L.A. seemed a little intense for a young 22-year-old. <laughs> so I decided, or at least for me, I know there's plenty that do it well. Um, but I chose Nashville and fell in love. Literally, I met my husband like within three months of being there. <laughs> I love Nashville. I Matter of fact, um, I don't know if you ever have, but I have, I don't even know how many times, um, gone to the Opryland hotel. We just, so, okay. I lived in Nashville for several years. Then me and my husband got married. He moved us to Kentucky for a stint and then we moved to Chattanooga. So I've been close for since for a decade, over a yeah. decade now, goodness gracious, had plenty of opportunities. I just stayed there after my last trip to San Diego. I landed in Nashville. We decided to stay the weekend there and celebrate my husband's birthday. So literally less than a few weeks ago, I oh, actually wow. got to stay there. I was like, wow, this has been here the whole time. Like, oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. That is like my favorite oh. hotel in the world. And you can get lost in I it easily. Oh, I did. I did quite a bit. I thank goodness for all the maps and all the signs. But actually, like we sent, it was my husband's birthday. Yeah. And so I wanted, so I had my mom come down. And so she came down. So we all stayed there. And I sent my mom and my son to the water park. And my husband and I went to the spa. And then my husband came, ditched me at the spa, sent my mom to the spa with me and went to the water park with our son. <laughs> I was like, that's how you do it. That's how you welcome 44, right? That's, that's how you right. <laughs> 
That's right. I, it's I'll tell you, it's a and and Nashville is just a, an incredible city. I love Nashville. All, oh, all, I love all it for around. yeah. It's yeah. a great. It's lots of life. It's growing fast. Yeah. Um, some would say too fast in some ways, yeah. um, but it's it's an amazing little hub. The whole state is. Yeah, Patricia Geigich is on here. Do you know Patricia? Maybe it sounds familiar, She's but internationally famous artist. Her art is actually hanging in the Vatican and in the Louvre, and she's amazing. She's, she's that amazing. is amazing. Yeah. So, so Sloan, uh, talk about well, what did you what did you study in college? You went to Texas A and M, which I think everybody yeah. in Texas does. It's either that or Oklahoma <laughs> for some reason. I don't. I don't. I don't get yeah. That. It's Texas A&M, and then there's that other school that really likes to wear burnt orange that shall not be named now. Uh, there's so many great schools in Texas. It's just Texas yeah. A&M just happens to be the best. It's not our fault. It just happens that way. <laughs> right. um, I studied um, political science. I know okay. it's shocking based on what I do now. Uh, and with an under, I was a minor in business, okay. which makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> so what... Uh, and I don't know exactly everything you do now. I know that you are, are, are you currently, or you were Mrs. Tennessee? So I was, I passed on the title in April, uh, officially, oh. but I held it for two years. So that's wow. why I say I'm clearly a forever Mrs. Tennessee because I held onto the title so tightly. <laughs> That's and got to go to nationals twice, two years in a row. But and what's crazy that you ask is that our girls, our current title holders, are at in Vegas right now. The show is tonight for the Miss, and then the next two nights is for our Misses girls. And so it, Mrs. America is happening this weekend. So oh a little nostalgia God. happening for sure. I'm definitely stalking Instagram and liking and being a fan girl for sure. Oh, <laughs> that's so awesome. So so talk about you know what. What was it in, I, I, and I, I think that everybody goes through something or a person, some kind of influence in childhood that pushes us into mm -hmm. what we become as adults. When I say that, is there anything or anyone that comes to mind that, that like kind of formed you, molded you into what you became as an adult? I think, well, first, still molding. And I think that was a big part of me that set me free was that understanding and realizing that I don't have to be fully molded at any point. Mm -hmm. I want to be continue moldable and a work in progress. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I think there's been a lot. I think, of course, there's always the traumatic events. Um, I lost my father at nine. And oh. that was obviously, and so my adolescent response to that, like I, my little brother was eight and we had very different responses. Um, I went into the over achiever mindset and so much so I ended up skipping a grade <laughs> and oh, wow. uh, yeah and of course my brother went more of the adrenaline rush <laughs> path of yeah. just dealing with that kind of loss and trauma that no one should ever have to go through and um, but with that I that caused that kind of propelled me into starting high school at 13 years old which had me graduate at barely 17 which had me move 10 hours away at 17 years old. Um, I couldn't even like sign things. I couldn't go to half the places because I wasn't 18 yet. And so wow. I, it was a very, um, a lot of moments of having to grow up really, really fast. And so when you talk about that pressure of needing to like fit the mold of what, like being fully molded, fully fit, fully full in those moments and grown, I had a lot of that pressure yeah. and I continued to do that to me. And so I think that was pivotal. And then of course you mentioned pageantry. I think yeah. one of the biggest the the biggest break moment, right? We in order we have to break in order to break through, right? Yep. And I've had a yes. few breakthrough. Yes, I had a, I've had a lot of seasons of brokenness. Um, yeah. and some impactful ones in the last decade for sure that has launched me into what I do now. But I think the pivotal one that really started this journey was actually when I competed at Miss Texas USA, the biggest train wreck of my entire life. <laughs> really? um, it's 
oh, I bombed. I bombed. It was horrific. I got in my head. I was seeking, I did it for all the wrong reasons. I wanted external validation from all the wrong people. I had all the wrong influences being loud, the louder voices in my head than my own. And I, I made some really, really like scary choices. I, um, was convinced I was too big. And so therefore like my dieting was very, very detrimental, um, which like I lost myself in the process of that. There was actually a judge that saved my life. And he came up to me after the pageant and he goes, I just want you to know, I saw you. I didn't even make top 15. Like when we talk about train wreck, it was a train wreck. And wow. he came up to me afterwards and he goes, I just want to know, like, want you to know that I saw you three months ago and we were all ready to take you to Miss USA. Like we were ready. We didn't recognize you. We, none of us, we were looking for you and none of us recognized you. Wow. Get help. And it wasn't just like a physical help. It was just like, he could tell that like the light in my eyes was gone. It was the emotionally drained. I remember standing in an interview and I just remember like, I love people and I love talking to people and I love connecting. And I just was flat. And I think he felt that. And I'm so thankful for him for being bold enough because that was a very bold statement to say to me, hey, get your light back, get your spark back, get your glow back and find yeah. you. And I was like, wow. And then it made me realize how much of that spark and glow is fabricated for other people and where's the authentic me in all of that. And so wow. that was really the launching pad for me fighting for my authentic confidence and getting to know my true self so I can start showing up that way. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. And I totally can relate to that. When I was 34, I, 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 somebody told me to get help, but it was for alcoholism. And, and so now I've I'm 21 years sober, but you know, it's, 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 it's like God, sends the right people at the right time to smack mm -hmm. them right up against the side of the head or and, to pull the rug out from under you. And I have had yeah. seasons of that too, where I, I joke, I got Paducah. Um, and about five years ago, I got Paducah and I can share that story, but um, I, I always describe it as it being the worst and best thing that ever happened to me. It's exactly yeah. what I needed. So sometimes I feel like God also sends those those breaking moments. So he's like, listen, we have to break this mold because yeah. you're meant for a bigger one. You've put yourself in this box and you're meant for so much more, but you're like hiding in this box. We've got to get you free from it. So I'm going to break the box. I'm sorry, but it's because I have a better and bigger one waiting for you. I absolutely love that. So, so when you talk about when the, the moment that you, um, graduated from college and you were where is texas a&m i should know that i live here college station um it's about i always it's perfectly located because it's about an hour hour and a half from houston about an hour and a half from waco three hours from dallas hour and a half from houston from austin it's okay. like the perfect hub where you're somewhat free of distractions i'm gonna put that in quotations yeah. but you're a week you're a drive away from a fun weekend in a bigger city so it's kind of like right. a safe place to have those growing pains that college is kind of meant for yeah. um without getting in too much trouble because you're right. you're a little protected. So I appreciated right. that bumper being only 17. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm in College Station. Okay. I graduated. I took a victory lap because I had the extra year to do it. One perk of skipping a grade is you get to have an extra, you get to add a year in college so I could get my mm -hmm. business minor. I think it was really interesting for me because I went to school for political science. And as you can tell by how I threw myself into the achiever mode, I had the five year, I had the like whole life plan when I came out, right? I was born and I was like, okay, here's my agenda. And I want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. And so I'm in <laughs> school, I'm studying political science and I hate it. I hate it. I love, I had one teacher that I absolutely loved, but I hated the class. Like I yeah. hate, I would come home from class and my roommate would be like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, I had the life sucked out of me today because it was like policymaking and 
it was just all these legislation or politics in the media. And I mean, you know, our world today, it can be draining when that is your full and it can be very, very cloud your perspective on the world when that becomes your whole focus. And I felt that happening and that burden. And I, my intention was my bigger plan was law school or to be a lobbyist. Yeah. And I personally, yeah. and I always say the joke, but I, I really wanted my soul. I wanted to hold on to my soul. But I say that jokingly because I feel, I feel like there's fantastic lawyers out there and amazing lobbyists. I've already told the story about how I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know what I stood for. And so I fell for everything and I couldn't imagine getting into that world. I wasn't ready for it. I needed to find myself. So yeah. thank goodness I took the victory lap. I got my business uh, minor and I was working at a couple of places locally. And that's when the big urge happened. I said, okay, like you've changed plans. You pivoted. This is the first time in your life where you don't know and yeah. it's terrifying, but it's so exciting. What are you going to do? Like you have no attachment, no ties. Where are you going to go? And I, it was, it was almost like I threw one of those everyone dreams of like throwing a dart at a map and yeah. where are you going to go? And I had literally seen probably five articles for Nashville. And I said, all right. I knew nobody had no job, nothing. And I'm not a singer. Everyone always asks me, they're like, are you a, are you a singer? No, can't completely tone deaf. I won't do that to y'all. <laughs> but it literally is like, I was just like, we're going to figure it out. And I went. Well, hold, hold. So did you go to visit it first or you just packed up and moved to Nashville? I packed up and moved to Nashville and it's actually wow. an even crazier story. It's, it gets crazier. So I make this decision. I'm going to move and now I have to like make it happen. And, and, so and you're 22, 22. Yes. No job, no nothing. And so I'm like, I can do this. So I literally, I remember I was on the, on the phone with my best friend. I'm like, how am I going to tell my mother? Like, that's the scary, like moving to Nashville is no big <laughs> deal. How am I going to tell her? Like, that's terrifying. Wow. Yeah. And so I remember like literally rehearsing the phone call with my best friend. And like, she was such an excellent version of my mother. She's like, you're doing what? You're leaving me. It was excellent. She deserves an oh Emmy for God. it. And so I finally get like the courage and I call her and my mom's a phenomenal woman. It's just, we were very close. And here I am making the phone call. I'm moving across the country. And she calls me and I go, Hey mom, I have something really heavy to tell you. And she goes, me too. And I go, okay, do you want to go first? And she goes, no, you go first. And I go, okay, listen, like I'm in this pivotal point in my life. Like, I really, really think this is the perfect season for me. Like and I give this beautifully written speech. I had my notes, I'm sweating, glowing. Right. right. Uh, and so right. I'm going through, going through the motions. And I said, so at the end of it, I said, so I've decided I'm going to find a way and I'm going to move to Nashville. And she's silent and it felt like an eternity. And then finally she goes, Sloan, her fiance at the time, her now husband, she goes, John just got a job offer in Brentwood. And I go, where's Brentwood? And she, because I had no idea. And she goes, south of Nashville. It's basic. It's like a suburb of Nashville. Right. We're moving to Nashville. And I go, you're <laughs> kidding me. And so they oh very God. graciously, like, they're like, well, we're moving across the country. We'll just throw your stuff in with ours. We'll take you with us. Oh and that was the God. only reason it was possible. Uh, we lived yeah. together for a whole week and a half before my very, very, um, her amazing husband goes, Hey, are you ready for me to be your guarantor on apartment? And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and I moved into the tiniest little gypsy cave. Everyone else had to go up to their beautiful apartments. I went down to the basement one <laughs> wow. and yeah, started the adventure of a lifetime. Wow. That is so amazing. And again, everything just kind of was Wow. And it wasn't easy. I think that sounds so romantic, right? Oh my gosh. And it all worked together. And my yeah. mom and John magically got this job offer. And like, I, that was February. I turned 23 in April and I was 23 years old in a basement apartment with no furniture. My mattress was on the floor. I'm staring up at a very blank room crying because I had, I'm the girl with the plan. I'm the achiever. I'm the girl that has, it takes every opportunity. I have modeled throughout college. I had job offers that I turned down in college because I wanted something different. And I had really wanted to put the pieces back together in a real way, in an authentic way. And I had to have a fresh start to do it. And here I am thinking I've made the biggest mistake in my life. And I just know like the angels around me were like, oh, you just wait, hun. You just wait. And but I remember, like, I think it's, it's fun to tell the story now, 
but it was very, it was very hard. And it was a lot of questioning and self-doubt and insecurities that creeped in that I had to push through. So talk about, um, because I, I mean, gosh, we've, I think we've all been there, right. Mm -hmm. Where, where you're like, I, am I doing the right thing? Am, am I capable of this? Am I worthy of this? Mm -hmm. Am I, I mean, for me, the worthy thing was always like mm -hmm. so huge. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and you said something, I, I watched something, I believe you said at, at Greg Reed's, um, deal, you said something about, um, I, it's a little video clip on, on your Instagram page. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was something about that self-worth, like yeah. feeling worthy. And it, mm -hmm. for those of you that don't follow Sloan on Instagram, go follow her. She's amazing. Um, but what, in your experience, because now you have the glow movement, you have a lot of really cool things happening. Um, what, how, how, um, how often do you think most people go through those feelings of complete and utter insecurity about everything they're doing in life here you are you skipped a grade in high i have a 13 year old daughter and an mm -hmm. almost 18 year old daughter and and i can't imagine one of them skipping a grade right now mm -hmm. you know um but how often do you think people are going through i mean you by outside looking in it looks like you've got the world by the uh, you know, like how, how do you, how often do you think other people are going through that? Well, I, I want to be careful speaking for other people. I know for me, I go through it every day. Yeah. I, I am challenging insecurities and intrusive thoughts every single day. And mm. I think it's important to realize that that's part of the course. And when you're right. able to honor that for what it is, and right. it shines a beautiful light, because I talked about this on the latest episode of my podcast, where there's your reaction and there's your response. And your reaction can jump in the driver's seat and it can totally derail your response. If you're feeling angry, you're going to react. You're going to respond angry. If you're feeling insecure, you're going to respond from an insecure place. But if you can separate the two and you can honor the reaction, it's human to have those emotions. It's human to feel insecure. It's human to feel like an imposter. It's human to feel nervous or have shame or feel frustrated or have fear. Those are all normal reactions and they can be very telling. And if we honor them for what they are as yeah. not something to shame ourselves with, but we honor them from a place of what is my subconscious? What is my inner me trying to communicate to me right now? What is it shining a light on that I have an opportunity to grow through? And when you take it from a place of curiosity, you're able to honor that and say, okay, thank you for that insight and holding up the mirror that I maybe not wanted to see. But now I get to take my power back and respond in a way that's authentic to me. So yes, I'm feeling insecure today, but what's more, how do I want to respond? What's, what's the version of me that deserves to show up today free of this. And yes, take the honor, those insecurities and say, okay, how do I love myself through this? And it gets easier because insecure Sloan 10 years ago, didn't respond as well as Sloan today does to those insecurities. But I know that 10 years from me now is going to look at me now and going, you were doing a really good try. Nice try. I'm doing better. And hopefully it continues to evolve and continue to grow from a place of learning to not only know and like yourself, but mainly trust yourself that you may not have it all figured out and you're not meant to. It's part of the human experience. It's okay to fail, but to have grace and gratitude for the process. That's amazing. So, uh, okay. So on, cause I was going to go, okay. So tell me how you feel about global peace. <laughs> world peace. Uh, world peace, world peace. Well, let me um, tell you, no. <laughs> yeah. I have all the answers. Let me get my binder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, I wrote this out. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think from, and I love the authenticity 
that you're you're talking about that's i teach that and and okay. podcasting and and live stream like just be you like mm -hmm. everyone else is already taken be you and 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 you'll you'll people will either like you or they won't and just accept that um I think a big part of authenticity because it the be you part of it is i think so many people want to do that they want to be you they want to be themselves but they yeah. don't take the time to find out who that really is thank you amen and that's the piece because everyone's like oh be you and they're looking at you like but who is that i don't know who that is and i think it's so crucial that that's a priority for all of us and we continue to learn who we are every single day it's like Dr. Wayne Dyer used to say, um, he would bring up the scripture, uh, mm -hmm. you know, love thy neighbor as thyself, which presupposes that you love yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like most of the, not, I'm not, this is, I'm not judging, but a lot of people probably shouldn't love their neighbor as they love themselves. <laughs> oh, same. I'm way, I, I always say like, I actually flip that. I'm like, I need to start talking to myself how I talk to my best friend. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, if I, if someone talked to my best friend the way I talk to me, who that girl would be, mm, I'd be coming for her. And so <laughs> right? why is it okay that I allow myself to talk to me that way? Because if anyone talked to someone I love that way, they'd be in, they would get a side of me that nobody gets to see very often. <laughs> right, right. So, so talk about day to day life, you know, when you, um, I'll give you an example. The other day, I'm going to, my wife is out of town with her family for some personal reasons, but, um, she, and, and I'm, so I'm playing Mr. Mom, I'm running our businesses, I'm, you know, juggling dogs and cats and, and, and I go to get the dog's water and there's the cat threw up right next to the dog's water bowl and Every my daughter day. stepped in it. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my crap here and like and i'm like what is wrong with the cat why would it throw up and 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 you know i i get that just like what is wrong with this world and the cat and the and this really has nothing to do with it it's my reaction right yeah. so when you're having i don't know if you have moments like that but moments where you're like i'm gonna lose my crap right now like mm -hmm. how do you stop yourself and and go okay hold on a minute this is just this is, i'm not really angry with the cat it's just the situation and whatever how do you stop yourself from letting that escalate inside uh prep work before is it's a lot easier to set yourself up for success than try to recover from a failure and so um I, I, so for me and i know it happens when i'm not doing my prep when i'm not diligent and in investing in my inner peace and my wholeness those moments happen more often right mm. so when i'm intentional with not all i think we all are trained to like oh your physical health go for a walk and all and we're not encouraged and i think we are having a shift and i'm loving it i'm, I'm definitely we're seeing more advocation for therapy and more advocation for mental health and mental wellness and emotional wellness and emotional intelligence i do see this wave push which is so powerful because it's so essential because we can be in the best physical health of our life but if we're emotionally and mentally distraught it doesn't matter it's that stress is going to have a negative impact on us physically yeah. and so i think it's the whole package of that investment of overall wellness and so for me it's i'm a words girl as you can't tell i love talking but i words of affirmation is my love language and so i have to be really really careful of how i'm speaking i'm very very intelligent and not only what i speak over myself morning affirmations night affirmations pep talks throughout the day are definitely part of my mo um, yeah. so i become the loudest voice i think i spent a big portion of my life allowing other people to be the loudest voice in my head and it's part of me taking my power back of saying mm -mm, i'm gonna be the loudest voice in my life um, and then a big part of my practice is gratitude. I start my day with gratitude. I end my day with gratitude. I intentionally try to be thankful for something throughout the day. Even when I said the Paducah thing, like I am so thankful for that, but I lost myself during that season. And it was so vital for me to find these mental toughness and this mental health in order to get through that. Somebody, somebody just asked a question. Can you read that? 
Oh, oh, hey, no, I think you have me confused <laughs> with someone else. <laughs> Joe, Joe's watching us over on YouTube. So, so Joe, thank you again. We, we, we um, thanked you up front, but you were tardy to the party. <laughs> Um, but thank you for, for, um, referring Sloan to me. She's amazing. Um, so, so, so talk about, um, <laughs> oh, oh no, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm nervous. <laughs> should I, put it, I don't even know if I should put it on screen. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> so, so we're going to get to that. So, so. I, I want to talk about, so you're 22, 23 years old. You moved to Nashville mm -hmm. um, and, and you had no job. You knew nobody. You have this, the, a month and a half in or whatever, you move into your own apartment in a basement and no furniture and life was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring those in sunshine every day. <laughs> right. But so you, um, hey, Joe, go over to Facebook and share this out, by the way. Joe, thanks, dude. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, talk about where things went from there. Because that I've been there. I get, I can relate to that. So how did you pull yourself out of that basement apartment into something better? Uh, well, again, I did what I know best, and that's put your head down, achieve, and just go hit the ground running. I I always say that there's like several action styles. There's the type that's the planner and who's going to make sure that they know all hundred steps before they ever take step one. Yeah. And then there's the people that are afraid to take any action. They're hesitant. They don't like the plan. They don't like the action. They're just like, well, everything's good the way it is. And then there's me and it's like, oh, we're supposed to get to the bottom of the cliff. Watch me jump. Right. And everyone else is like, she did know that there were stairs. Right. She didn't have to do it. <laughs> And so that was kind of it is I was just like, I was going, I was just like, let's we, we it's survival mode. You do things in survival mode that you're like, I'm going to put my head down and go. And so I was um, a project coordinator um, where I was like a freelance project coordinator where I was taking on a few deals throughout where I would work projects for different people. And then um, I did that. And then I got worked, um, hired on as like a W2 for a project coordinator for a business management firm that worked with a lot of, um, I say local celebrities, you know, small local celebrities like Britney Spears and other Titans football players, just a small little company Wow! <laughs> and did that for a hot minute. And then I started um, as a recruiter and I was recruiting talent and as well as helping business owners, staff and work on that relationship of finding people's strengths and really pairing them with the environment that would help them thrive. And I loved it. I um, and I loved my clients so much that I was actually called into a meeting and with one of my favorites. And we went for coffee and we were talking about this new position they were filling. And I had all these resumes in my purse. And um, she goes, so I pull out the resumes and she goes, Sloan, we're interested in you. Like it was so obvious to her and so like oblivious <laughs> to me. And I was like, Oh, I don't have that resume. <laughs> and I like oh, put no, the no. resumes back. And so I got to step into conjures banking, which I loved, wow. which. That's, I actually told this story recently um, about how much I've grown. I remember being so head down, which all sounds great, right? The overachiever sounds amazing. And we all want to be that until we are and it, how we lose a little bit of ourselves in that as well and lose the experience of enjoying the process because we're so focused on the outcome. And that was very, very much me. What's next? What's the next goal? What's the next finish line? What's next? And I remember I was working for a bank as a concierge banker and there was two types, there was concierge banker one and concierge banker two. And it was like, no one has ever been promoted between these two roles in less than 18 months. And I said, challenge accepted. Like wow. you just, you just gave a new goal, an impossible goal to an overachiever who has made it her whole MO of survival to achieve. So let's yeah. go. And so I remember working my working myself to death to make it happen with a lot of support. But in my naiveness of being in my early 20s, of course, I didn't see that. I didn't see all the other pieces that had to come into play to make that happen. And so I remember my boss was giving me the promotion that she had to advocate for me for. Like it, like this had never been done. Their policy was you're in that seat, that's contract banker role for 18 months. And here I am nine months in. What are, what are, what is the role again? What's oh, concierge banker. So it's kind of like a blend of new account, like account manager. So I had my book of business of my clients that I took okay. care of. Um, I opened new accounts. So I was constantly growing business, but let, no pressure of like a sales element though. It was purely 
concierge banking. Um, I also did transactions. I did small HELOC loans, credit cards, all of those things partnered with our more specialty lenders. Um, And it was basically like you walked in the bank, you didn't stand in line. I was your teller too. So I'd meet you at the door and say, hey, let me, you have a transaction. I got that for you. Oh, you want to open up another business account? Oh, great. Oh, you want this loan? Let me introduce you. And so it was, I was a point of contact for my clientele. Got it. So you, it was important people like Joe Ingram. Very, very. He'd be top of my list for sure. Actually, like he would be a dream client in that scenario because I fell in love with my clients like that. They were fun. They're vibrant. And when you're handling people's money, there's a level of trust there that has to be formed. And I loved it. I loved what I did. And so while I say I worked really hard, I actually really loved what I did. And it was amazing. And so here I am nine months and getting that promotion that they said would be impossible. And I'm in the meeting with my boss, this amazing woman who had so much patience for me and so much grace, who literally saw me and advocated for me to get the CB2 opportunity. And I didn't, I was like, okay, thanks. What's our strategy? Because the next level was senior, senior concierge banker. And I said, great. So I was like, thanks. Great. So what's our strategy for senior banker? Wow. And her face, like I will still, her face will still haunt me because there was no gratitude for me that because there was no gratitude for self. It wasn't a lack of gratitude for her and the effort she put in. I was trying to fill a void by doing, I had a hole in me. I had a lack of self-worth and self-love that I was trying to fulfill with achievements. Yeah. And so therefore I got this achievement and I still felt empty in the moment. So here I am getting what I fought so hard for and I'm still feeling empty. So default setting me goes, oh, this is intense. I'm going to switch this off and just put a new goal in place because I don't want to slow down and realize that these goals aren't filling the void in me. Mm. So I remember she, she ushered me out of her office in a very classy way. I, the meeting ended abruptly, but I don't remember feeling like she wasn't rude or anything like that. She just very classily got me out of there. Um, and wow. I remember having that realization after I left. So I don't remember exactly when that happened in my career, um, but um, I was there in all, uh, in total, almost two years. So we'll say, so I was still there in CB2 for a while. And then my husband proposed. Um, he was living in Kentucky. And so he proposed and um, I, he asked, he was living there before he, he, we got married and he asked me to come with them. And I said, honey, we're missing some hardware. So <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I need a ring on my finger. And so uh, right. a few months later he proposed and we got married six months after that. And then I'm yeah. in. Um, and I actually, that's ironic too. I was actually up for a promotion I had for at that position right before I left and I didn't get it. And oh. again, and I think it was a really big blessing in disguise as well. But I also think there was an underlying piece of that puzzle of like, she's not going to appreciate it. Or, you know, I feel like there was, I was making assumptions there and I tried really hard not to do that. But I feel, yes, it was a blessing in disguise because I would have had to leave that promotion like yeah. in a few months anyway. But yeah, there's some pieces there that I, I honor if there was some ulterior motive of not giving me that. I totally can honor why. And yeah. so I get moved to Bowling Green, um, start a my health and wellness coaching business. So that's where the coaching really came into play. So there's always been an element of coaching. There's been a theme of that, of pouring yeah. into people, seeing people's strengths, loving them through that um, throughout my life. And But it, it, I just owned it at that point. That was the first time I was like, you know what? I love this development piece. I'm going to own it. And so we did, I started with health and wellness and um, did, I was a certified nutritionist and fitness instructor. And so I was creating meal plans and workout plans. And I actually had a client and she changed my life. And she said to me, she goes, Sloan, um, I love, you get people results and your clients love you. Like they absolutely love you. Um, And you're really, really great at the meal plans and things. She goes, but you light up when we get to the heart side, because I really focused on, okay, it's, it's great that I'm getting you results, but why did we get into this position in the first place? Why did we not take care of ourselves? Why were we not making our health a priority? What root cause of that behavior? Like let's heal that first. So why we're getting great results in the behavior is because when we find the wound behind it and we heal that the behavior will either be quickly changed or fix itself. And she goes, you light up when we get to this part of it. When we get to the heart part of it, the mind part of it, you light up. And she goes, and that's why you, your clients love you. And I was just like, I was like, oh, but I I agree. This is my favorite part of my job, but people have to trust me with their body before they'll ever trust me with their mind and heart. And she goes, why? 
And that was a limiting belief I was working through. And so I trust, I trusted her. I put that in quotations because I started the glow movement and that January yeah. and I didn't close the health and wellness business until November of that year because I was holding on. And it was ironic. I was actually sharing this with someone this morning. It was in October that I realized, wow, all of my clients in my health and wellness business should be under my glow movement business. I was like, they're only coming to me for mindset coaching and self-awareness coaching and personal development coaching. And I just haven't been bold enough to move them over and claim it. So, so you, and this is all, this all started in Kentucky. Bowling Green, 2018. Wow. And then it sounds wonderful, right though? Like all of that, look, I got my dream career. I'm empowered. And I was rocking it. I loved Bowling Green. I was actually Mrs. Kentucky there. Yes, I know. I was, I was Mrs. Kentucky. I went on to Mrs. United States, got top six. I mean, I was a health and fitness coach. So I got best pageant body of 2018. Like we are rock. I'm rocking the achievements, right? That that validation, that hole I'm trying to fill. I am checking those boxes. My business is thriving. I'm Mrs. Kentucky, best pageant body of 2018. Um, I started a candle line just for for fun. That was thriving. I was everybody, every part of me is like all of that external validation that I crave. Oh, I'm getting fed. And then my, my back. Oh, are you there? Yep. There you are. There you are. I think you're in. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Where'd you lose me? (laughs) I think I glitched. Um, It happened happened in real life too. (laughs) (laughs) Something about a can't you start. Oh yeah. Just for fun. Because I, Uh, a candle line. Yeah. Just for fun because glow, you know, it was on brand. And then I was doing that. I was president of this organization, president of that organization. All of my external validation boxes were getting checked. So I'm on a high, right? I'm, I'm on top of the world. I'm getting hit. Well, then my husband comes and says, Hey, I'm getting a promotion and we're moving. And as a family decision, we decided to move to Paducah, Kentucky and all those things that I tied my value in. Yeah. Where is, where's Paducah? Exactly. I, I, it is uh, West, I, uh, West Kentucky. Okay. I Okay. That's right. I've been through Paducah. Can you hear yeah, me? They're okay. most known, what they're most proud of is their annual quilt convention. <laughs> oh my gosh. Really quaint town. Very, very cute. And I don't hold this against the town itself. Like Paducah. Paducah was very cute and very sweet. Why it was so Paducah, why I why it's like a haunting word in my world is because I lost everything I tied my value in. I had to let go of all my titles. I my year as Mrs. Kentucky was coming to an end. Everything that I tied my worth in, gone. And wow. I got to be mom and wife, and that's it. All my clients were there, and we weren't using Zoom as frequently as we are. This was 2000. Eight, end of 2018, 19, um, like right before 19. So Zoom wasn't as like used as it is today. And it was just, just like, I lost it all. I didn't have it on, like it just everything. And so I completely had to find out who I was without everything I tied my value in externally. And it changed my life. And I got to find my true value, my true worth, what I stood for. I got to be a human being instead of a human doing. I got to stop tying my value in the emotional roller coaster of other people's opinions and perceptions and let go of my reputation, realizing it was no longer my responsibility and own who I was. And my life completely changed. I discovered the Enneagram, which is the self-awareness tool that I'm certified in. That is the foundation of a lot of my coaching today of really helping people know who they are. And I moved to Chattanooga less than 10 months later and been holding on to that ever since. Oh my gosh. So, so what, when you got to Paducah though, what was the catalyst? What, what, what you said, I've, I found myself, you had to go through some ups and downs in there before you were like, wait a minute. I mean, was there a moment that kind of blew up? There was a, 
there was a lot of moments. I was, I was very depressed. I was crying a lot. I, when I say I lost myself, I lost myself. And the only reason I got out of my bed is because I had an amazing child and a husband that loved me and I, I needed to show up for. And so they like, but it got to the point um, where I realized I had to do a lot of detoxing um, personally. And so I decided to really, really make myself a priority, really, really invest in my health, physically, emotionally, spiritually, find myself in that process, find value in, in the process and not achieving something. Like I didn't do anything. I was making it a priority not to have goals for me to accomplish, but to have systems I could, that were sustainable and that I could really grow in opposed to tying the worth of the experience in what the outcome was. And that was really healing. So I had to detox a lot of things. I stopped drinking. That was a big part of it. Um, and I really stopped, I stopped making better choices from a diet perspective and a health perspective. I started this routine of advocating for my gratitude and for affirmations and speaking life over myself. I stopped complaining. That was a big thing that set me free. And I was just really, really intentional of having the standard of excellence for myself to break free of tying my worth and other things. And I would say the big, I talk about the Enneagram, but it was a life-changing tool for me. I had, I had studied it, um, been aware of it and studied it surfacely for, since I was in my er, like late teens, early, early twenties. Right. Um, but it was that season that allowed me to really deep dive into it. And um, as my person, so if you're unfamiliar, the Enneagram is broken up into nine types. There's three triads that those three types are divided into. So three, three, and three. Um, and I'm in the heart triad, which everyone in that triad shares the same irritant. So our twos, threes, and fours share the same irritant of shame. Mm. and trying to and never feeling enough. So constantly trying to justify their worth and our twos, threes, and fours do that in three very different ways. But as a three, I just, I was justifying my worth by doing and right. achieving. And so when that was thrown in my face, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know I was doing that. And right. so when I was thrown in my face of, I'm not doing this because I want to, I'm not achieving because I want to achieve. I'm achieving because I'm trying to manage my shame and justify my worth. And do I even care about any of these accomplishments? Like, do, are, are, do they have the meaning of me? So at the, the meaning for me. And so it was that pivotal point where I really discovered what is my purpose? What is my personal mission that despite the vehicle that God puts me in, I can still serve it, whether I'm at the grocery store, whether I'm sitting on a Zoom call, whether I'm at my kid's school, whether I'm speaking on a stage, what is that purpose that I want to serve and the vehicle or the title or the credential that comes with it isn't where I put the value because I'm serving the mission. And that's where my value comes from. And I really set myself free from that. And that became my focus. And I'm still a work in progress. I still have moments of finding myself an achiever mindset. And I got to check this to-do list off. And I, I have to go, 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 go. And I have this accomplished. And I still have lots of goals that, that doesn't go away. Right. But I think I've released the pressure on the end and stopped tying the value of the experience in the outcome, but rather how I grew through the process. That is amazing. So you, you, um, you, you mentioned earlier, well, Joe mentioned earlier, <laughs> I, I know you've had, he told me we were talking last night, Joe and I, and, and, and he said, um, I said, what, was she kid? Was she kidnapped by an Uber driver? And he's like, "Dude, it's a theme in her life." He says, "He says she's so sweet and kind that people love her so much they just don't want her to leave." <laughs> it's true. So, Pat, can you touch on that? What is he talking? I don't know anything about this. Oh, okay, I'll try to give you the so. Okay. I, um, this does happen a lot to me. Like it does. It's at, at grocery stores. Like my husband, like, you know, that like tracker app on the phone, like my husband, it is a requirement that I have that I'm surprised that my family hasn't like embedded a tracker somewhere in my body permanently oh because like, God. I'll go to the store and it's like two and a half hours later. And my husband's like, are you okay? Like, did you fall down the soup aisle? Like what's going on? And I'm like, no, the cashier was on her break and she was having a really hard time. And I, she just needed someone to talk to. 
And that's how I end up in these situations, right? Oh and God. and again, we talked about serving the mission. I wasn't joking about the grocery store. It does happen to me a lot at the grocery store or like right. random people in the aisle will just be like, hey, and like start talking to me. And my husband's like, how, why does this keep happening? Right. But I love it. I really do love it. But the Uber story is hilarious. So I'm in San Diego. I'm visiting. I'm there for Gregory's Prosperity Camp. And um, I land on Monday and it's, it's a long day. Like my, I left at 3 a.m. Like I had to be up at 3 a.m. to leave. Like it is just a long, long thing. And so a long day, my, they don't have my room ready when I'm at there. So I've been hanging out in the lobby. At that point, the lobby has turned into my office. I have my laptop set down. Different people are sitting down at the table, talking to me, wanting to share their stories. So I've already had a very full day of impromptu coaching, if you will. Right, <laughs> and right. non-official, not a therapist therapy sessions, right? Right, right. So, at one point, I'm just like, you know what? When all those fails, go to Target. <laughs> so I decide I'm like, you know what? I'll just run it to Target, grab some things. And so I'm I'm leaving Target, and I have all my bags because it's Target. So I right. loaded down, like I have all my bags. Right. And I get the alert: your Uber driver has arrived. And I'm like, great. So I step out the doors, and as soon as I step out the doors of uh, in San Diego, it says Re recalculating your Uber driver is now three minutes away. And I'm like, oh. And I look up, and as I'm looking up, there are two huge guys coming at me from both directions. And I'm just like, oh, goodness, what's about to happen? And they come up and they're like, hey, and they start pushing candy sales on me because they're raising money. Um, I think at the first time they said it, they were raising money for their basketball tournament. That was it. So again, I just, I laughed and I said, I don't have cash on me, but what's your Venmo? I'll Venmo you. And right. the guy's like, taken back. And I go, what's your, and so I pull up my phone, I Venmo him a few bucks and he's like shocked. Well, I'm still waiting for my Uber driver and they're still hustling. And it's getting a little bit more obvious that we're not raising money for a basketball tournament, which I knew, uh, <laughs> but we, oh. at this point we're raising money for um, uniforms. And then it was football at one point. And then we switched sports again. Like, and the guy's looking at me, my buddy, Ty, He's looking at me because I know his name because I now have his Venmo <laughs> and he's looking oh. at me and he's like, what's this girl going to do? Because we've obviously like changed up our hustle a few times. Like, yeah. is she going to call us out? Like, is she going to come at me? Like, is she going to like cancel? The like, what's happening? Right. And I looked at him and I'm like, hon, I don't care what you do with the money. And he was like shocked. Mm. And I go, you asked me for help and I helped you. Like what, what you do with the money is on you at that point. And he nods. But in that same moment across the parking lot, there's another guy and he like different energy coming at me this time. And it's hot. And I was preparing myself like, what am I about to embark on? Like, I could just tell like something was off. And he was coming at me. And all of a sudden, both of my candy pushers are standing in front of me. And the guy like realizes beelines like sharp turn straight into target. I've never seen someone cower down so quickly and beeline it. Wow. And I'm standing there looking at these amazing men, boys that have just like stood in that moment. And I look at them processing. They both fist pump me at the time. So I give like a fist pump. My Uber driver pulls up. They open my door. They put me in the Uber, close the door, and I'm off on my little way. Right. Right. And so in that moment, I'm processing like, wow, like what a God moment of like honoring someone, seeing them and then them getting to immediately like take care of me back. It was just such wow. a beautiful moment. And so I'm, I'm normally have a different pitch because I'm careful with in different cities to not try to get kidnapped. I'm, I try, I at least try <laughs> And so normally when I'm in an Uber driver, I kind of keep what I do a little bit surface and generic, right? Yeah. Like, and, but because of, of that moment, I was taken back and my driver's like, oh, so he's taking me to a hotel. So he obviously knows like I'm either visiting. And so he's like, oh, what are you in town for? And I was like, oh, I'm a personal development coach and public speaker. Oh, he lights up lights up and he starts sharing his whole journey with me about all the different practices he's studying and how he's dedicated his life. And he starts telling me his whole story and we're having a really deep conversation and we're approaching my hotel and I like see it. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll start rapping. And all of a sudden in that same moment, he goes, ma'am, I just got to keep talking to you. He scrolls up, cancels my Uber drive, my, the drive, cancels the ride, pulls over to the side of the road and to talk to me. Oh he my God. 
he keeps me for over an hour. We're on the oh side. Oh my of God. What? On the side of road. Yep. Talking. And I'm just like, I'm like, this is my life. Like, I think 10 years ago, I would have been like, what is happening now? I'm just like, oh, we're going to have a therapy session. And he was very respectful. He, It's not like he even like turned towards me. He still was like talking and very respectful. It's not like anything to make me uncomfortable. He just needed to talk. He just needed wow. to be seen. And he has the most incredible story of overcoming several heart attacks. And I want to be careful of this being a live stream and not knowing he's on, but there's been a lot of, um, so triggers, but, um, he's attempted, he's a survived several attempts on his life and just like really hard story. And he's lost everything and he's fighting really, really hard to get it back. And so it just, wow. he just needed someone. And so we actually connected and he just needed someone to see him and to hear him and say, you still have value and still have worth and you're worth being sat on the side of the road and talking to him, being listened to. And so wow. he drops me off at my hotel. And again, <laughs> the story that's funny is um, my phone's being blown up because my mom and my husband are just assumed I got kidnapped at that point. And I'm like, yes, yes. So I'm telling them the story, but oh I, it's just, it is what it is. But I actually oh heard man. from him later on that day. And he just said to me, he goes, thank you. He goes, I was praying praying for God to send me a sign that this life was still worthy, worthy. And I was, it was still worth living. Thank you for showing up. And wow. I think it's those moments of, I, I tell the joke, like I don't pray for patience because I don't want God to give me opportunities to practice being patient. Yeah. Well, I pray like my, when I talk about that purpose and that mission, like I pray to be a beacon of light and love. Like I want to shine a light on people. I want people to feel seen and I want to love people through their strength, through their weaknesses and shine a light on their strengths. And God gave me lots of opportunities to do that in that moment. And I was blessed over and over again because I was obedient to that. You can't pray for your purpose and you can't pray to serve this greater mission. And then God, when God gives you opportunities, shy away from it. And that's where that authentic confidence comes in. It's having faith in your value and your worth and how you serve in your purpose and show up in your mission opposed to the credentials along the way. I'm kind of speechless. Like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, somebody as, I mean, it, it, the secret's out. You're a beautiful woman <laughs> that, that, you know, here you are, you hold these amazing titles and all the accolades you've received and, 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 and you're sitting in a, what sounds like almost homeless um, or hopeless, at least, mm -hmm uber driver's car on the side of the road and literally counseling or coaching him for free mm -hmm. and 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 doing god's work i think that's amazing oh, thank you it was and he was he was living in that car and i think it was that moment of realizing that i prayed I, one of my prayers is like even when i come on this call like when I come on any call, when I come, even when I get on Clubhouse, right? That fun audio app that we all got addicted yeah. to during the pandemic and yeah. like, or speak on a grand stage like I got to in San Diego or record my podcast alone in my studio. I just say yeah. a prayer and I just ask, I'm like, God, please use me as a vessel. Like, don't let my ego distract the message. Don't let my insecurities, don't let my pride, like where I'd be, I'd be afraid or timid of sharing the vulnerable story that is mine. Like, I yeah. love sharing. I, if you would have asked me five years ago to come on this call and share my life story, I would have been panicked. I'm like, what are people going to think of me? What? Oh, it's live. I'm like, I would, it would have been a completely different response, but gr growing through that and loving myself through that and realizing where my value is, is not in the performance of it. It's, it's in the heart of it. Yeah. Has really allowed me to show up as that vessel that I prayer to be. So well, let me ask you this. I mean, and, and I'm sure there are many other, um, tough, difficult things. I mean, I, I've, I can just feel it in your energy. There's things that you've gone through, um, <clears throat> that I would imagine you thought this is it, <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> you know, what, what do you think? Um, you know, I've been broke and homeless mm -hmm. sleeping in my car <clears throat> and, um, I've been wealthy and, and, wealthy is better by far. <laughs> yeah, um, and it makes things easier for sure. <laughs> it, it does. 
Um, but you know, like, what do you think in your opinion and all the coaching you've done and, and the experiences you've had, what do you think holds people back in life from two things? Number one, having wealth, money, um, and number two, and I do think they're related, um, joy, happiness, freedom. Mm-hmm. I do think those are related, by the way. I think because yeah. it's very difficult to be joyful when you can't eat. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And that's why when they say money can't buy happiness, they've never been hungry. Right? That's right. right. Amen. Like, um, and I and- love what Grant Cardone says when people say that. He's like, he looks at him and goes, you're broke, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. so what do you think holds people back? Fear. Um, and it looks differently for everyone. Um, what that fear is, but I think it's fear of rejection, fear of failure. Um, there's a great book. I love it. It's um, called Solve for Happy, and it's called by Mo Gadot, um, G-A-W-D-A-T. And so I could pronounce that totally wrong, and I apologize. <laughs> but um, he has a formula in it, and it says the, the key to happiness, our, our happiness is dependent on our perception of life minus our expectations. So you expect to get the promotion, you get the promotion, of course you're happy, right? You expect to meet the love of your life, you meet the love of your life, of course you're happy, right? Like it's our perception of life and our expectations. And so I've always really appreciated that formula because it that's where our power comes from. We always say like, oh, happiness is a fleeting emotion and we got to stop chasing it. And I agree with that because we should be striving for what you said, joy, internal peace. And so when we are able to invest in our perception of life, they always say, change your perception, change your life. And I really, really believe in that. And then manage your expectations. And so for me, I can, I can't control outcomes, but I have an expectation of how I'm going to show up every day. I, I can't, I can't control if I win Mrs. America, but I can show up how I showed up every day in competition, how I met some amazing women, how I had to show, how I got to authentically share my heart with those judges. I get to control that. So I had a blast at Mrs. America. Like it was a dream come true experience for me, regardless of if I I didn't walk home with a title and I still say it's one of the best experiences of my life. And so it's about honor. It's about changing where you put the power, like changing your expectations of giving yourself that power back of controlling the control roles and your standards and your core values. Your perception comes from grace and gratitude. If you can really, really honor, have gratitude for every blessing, because even at the lowest of lowest, there's something to be grateful. The breath in your lungs, the shoes on your feet, the people in your life, the, the woman sitting in the backseat of your Uber, like there's something, there's right. always something to be grateful for every single day. And I saw that in that Uber driver for him to take the time and thank me was really, really special and blessed me. And then having grace for ourselves. I think we have, we talked about that mold at the beginning of our call where we put so much pressure that we're meant to have it all figured out, right? We're always meant to have all the pieces together and figure it out. And then when we fall short, because then we shame ourselves or we're frustrated with ourselves, or we have this fear and anxiety tied to it. When in reality, if we just had grace for the process, we would actually get to enjoy this crazy adventure we call life instead of losing the human experience by putting so much pressure on ourselves. Amen. I, everything starts with gratitude. Like I just read Joe's yeah. comment. I'm very grateful for you, Joe. More than you realize, jokes aside, extremely grateful for you. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. We love Joe. So, so uh, Sloan, I can't believe we're already, uh, we're over an hour, which is oh, amazing, um, <laughs> which is fine. I don't care. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you have other things to do as well today, but um it, what would be the um, pretend for a moment that you've got the microphone and all 8 billion people on planet earth are listening to you and, mm-hmm. and you, you have the opportunity to say one thing to them that will impact and change the trajectory of their existence on this planet what would that one thing be that you would say to to change the lives of everybody on planet earth yeah i would say um 
love yourself like your life depends on it because it does. I think the more you love yourself and the more you value yourself and the more you measure your self-worth, it increases your capacity for all things. The, the, the amount that you love yourself and value yourself increases your value to love other people. It increases your mindset for abundance because you are now, you feel worthy for abundance. It increases the quality of your relationships because you're showing up full of love that is overflowing in all of them. So if we prioritized loving ourselves, we could completely change our lives because we would show up in love for in all areas. That's awesome. Where can everybody follow you? What's your website address? I should have asked you that in the beginning. And of course I didn't. Um, Not, no big deal. No. So you can find me personally, if you want to hang out, I'm on Instagram at Sloan underscore read and that's R E I D. And, um, but if you want to connect through the glow movement, I have my weekly podcast that you can find all of my coaching services and different ways that I like to provide resources and support through glowmovement.com. That's G L O W M V M T.com. M V M T.com. Yeah, a little play on words for movement. <laughs> That's it. That. You nailed I it. Love that. I was trying to not, not have people have fingertip fatigue or finger craps typing out the glow movement. <laughs> so I shortened and, it. And you. and you're easy to find on Instagram and, and everywhere. You're you're absolutely um <laughs> oh Joe. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, he had a he had a typo in his comment, so we oh, can okay. make fun of him for that. I'm kidding. You can find her at Target. Uh-huh. You can actually most days. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a false statement, Joe. <laughs> Joe. Anyway, Sloan, you're amazing. I I'm like your story is absolutely incredible. Just mm-hmm. a a a. a Texas girl from El Paso that's made it to some really, really cool places in life. And so everybody make sure you go over to glow movement. If you're listening, it's G L O W M V M T.com and, um, and follow Sloan on social media on, on Instagram and everywhere. So Sloan, thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. Please, before we hang up, let me, please allow me to show my gratitude for you. You are amazing. I appreciate your humility and your journey and your vulnerability because that is the key to changing so many lives is sharing the full story, not just the highlight reel. And I love that you are giving a platform for a lot of us to do that because sometimes people only want the highlights, right? Hence hence Instagram, perfect example. And so I appreciate your heart and your mission and your purpose to sharing the whole story because we all need to hear it. So thank you very, very much for what you do. So nice. Thank you. Jeez. (laughs) Okay. I don't want you to leave. So let's (laughs) (laughs) I'm the the podcast Uber guy. (laughs) You're like, I couldn't get off his show. He wouldn't shut up. I love it. That's that's part of it is I truly, sincerely, genuinely love every minute. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You're amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. You're amazing. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so stay with me. I'm going to end the live stream. But one more shout out to Joe Ingram. Joe, thank you so much, man. You're freaking awesome. Thank you for introducing Sloan and I. This, This has been amazing. So everybody have a great day. Thank you, Sloan. Thank you. Bye-bye.